Honest, open, and vulnerable may contain adult language and material that is not suitable for listeners under 18. This is a stream of consciousness podcast that delves into an eclectic mix of topics. Audience discretion is advised. And you are listening to episode 91 of Honest, Open, and Vulnerable. My name is Ryan. And I'm Scarlett. Um, you can find us on Twitter at HOV Podcast. You can also you can also send us an email at hovpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find my blog at inscarletstorm.wordpress.com. And you can find me on Instagram at the Fuchsia Lady. That's T-H-E-F-U-C-H-I-A-L-A-D-Y. And you can also post a comment on our website, hovpodcast.net. And you can call and leave us a voicemail. That number is 231-846-8420. And you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash honest.open.vulnerable. And you can also find me on Instagram and that's at Colonel Colonel Tux. (laughs) Almost said someone else's. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's K-E-R-N-E-L underscore T-U-X. And uh, and this like once again we are recor- recording this in the studio of eternal confusion, which is fitting. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, considering what we're playing on t- talking about, we're kind of like all over the place here. <laughs> so, and this um, is different from any other time. Anyway, well, mm. you know, well, whatever. <laughs> that's you get what you get. Well, that the. That's that's why you know we it's we picked the easiest title to to for um our first try you know <laughs> we, we go for the low hating fruit first <laughs> so Captain Obvious anyway <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> and so uh, I'm not sure if I've talked about it on the show before but um I. I've been having, you know, wrist issues for a number of years. Um, actually, I had a, uh, um, I had ganglion cysts uh, develop, um, like on on my on my wrist, like where the uh, where the thumb, the bottom of the thumb meets the palm, kind of in that that spot, and um, mostly because you know I. I've I've pretty much been on a computer like sixty percent of my life at this point, <laughs> and um, well, a lot of that time, you know, I was a big uh, big gamer, like spent a lot of time on WoW and other other games like that, and uh, so, you know, I re- I recently started looking into alternative layouts uh, because the one that we we know QWERTY. Because that's you know if you look on you know your average <laughs> average keyboard those the that's how it spells on the top row there, and um, that all started back when we had the mechanical typewriters, because uh, with you with with that you couldn't have all of the most used keys in the same spot because then those little hammers would ja- would they would jam up all the time so to i mean so i mean they had a physics problem they had to uh 
that they, they were trying to solve. Um, and so the way to, to, it was, it was kind of, kind of interesting. Now, they sped up by slowing down. So the, uh, they put all, uh, they spread all of the most used keys out. So it slowed down the type, typer, t- the typists. And, and then it didn't jam up because they were coming from, because obviously there's, there's all, you know, at, at least 26 key, you know, I'm not going to put anyway. Um, and they're all aiming for the same spot. So, you know, they developed, ended up developing a uh, layout that spread out the most used keys so that it, it wouldn't jam up all the time. And they were, you know, because before they were all spent, spending most of their time unjamming, unjamming everything. <laughs> I remember my dad had an old typewriter and because I'm a writer, because I, I had, um, I was diagnosed as having severe dyslexia to the point where when I was in seventh grade, I was told I would never read past an eighth grade level. My dad laughed at them and said, you tell her that I'm not going to tell her that. And they get the hell out of her way and watch her prove you wrong. And then he let me read anything I could get my hands on. My brother was nine years older than me and he was reading Dostoevsky and John Steinbeck and, um, you know, a lot of, great novelist and he would give me books just to read now were they appropriate for my age probably not but i could read them and i could comprehend them and my father was a pentecostal minister so basically he said anything in my library anything in my you know anything in my um you know my religious library you got questions i'll answer them let's talk and my dad and i had a couple of interesting discussions because I had questions about theology and, you know, and, and so, um, but by the time I was in, I, by the end of my seventh grade year, I could read and comprehend at a college level. So my father encouraged me to write and that's, I love to write. I mean, my dad knew he, he gave me my first journal and I started to write and I started to write fiction and he let me use his, his typewriter. And I remember that damn thing jamming up so much because I was a fast typist. I taught myself to type. Um, the best class I ever took in high school was a typing class that taught me a better way to type. But I would jam up that thing all the time. It just, I was so happy when I got my first computer, my first word processor. Uh, I, I remember I was just like, where have you been all my life? Because I hated that thing. And it was worse, not even jamming up at the carbon. Uh huh. You had to keep replacing the carbon wheel. Yeah. Because I went through that thing like, like, like water. My dad's like, you know, I might as well take stock in a carbon factory because you just keep using all my carbon wheels. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to write, you know? And, um, I wrote a whole novel, um, that I ended up setting on fire. And my dad laughed at me because I, I did it for a very, it was, it was a very um, symbolic thing that I did. And my father was 100% behind me when I did it. And, um, but he had to laugh. He says, well, there goes all the paper. There goes all the... <laughs> so he was happy when we had word processor where we could save something and we save paper, we save uh-huh. carbon. But I remember, I remember that typewriter and I hated that they would jam up like that. So anything to keep that, you know, a different way to type, that's a great idea. 
And then um, I think it was sometime in the mid late fifties, give give or take, where they, they um, came came out with an electric typewriter that had kind of this spherical typeface thing that would kind of spin spin around and whatever. And at that at that point, we we were no longer solving a physics problem. Because no, I mean, we didn't have like the those swinging, <laughs> swinging right. hammers every, every time. So there, there was no, um, you know, and so we kind of lost a pr- uh, like a prime opportunity to really kind of go go back and um, and and relook relook at the way everything was la- was la- laid out, um, and I I was kind of look. Uh, I I was lis- listening to a podcast and they were talking about like what um uh, about like keyboards just in general whether, whether you know as far as deciding whether or not to get a gamer keyboard or whatever and in the uh I guess in the uh the at at one, one of them brought up offhand like Dvorak layout and then kind of like went went off some somewhere else and then and for whatever reason, that like, you know, a, a light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, huh, maybe it's like, and then like, look into this. And so this, uh, uh, not, and well, this professor, not, uh, not his last name Dvorak, not to be confused with the composer, John C. Dvorak. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, he de- developed this word um a lot a lot uh that well they ran, ran some like comparison tests between the like they like they took a uh classic work like mark twain or a john steinbeck novel or so, some something like that some kind of a well-known piece and uh ran an analysis like with um uh, as far as where your um where you spend the most time and an actual like the distance that your fingers are traveling mm-hmm. and um the with Dvorak it was like the I, I think it was like 67% of the time is spent on home row and but home well home row is where the F and J keys are that melts mm-hmm. it and um it and with QWERTY it was a lot more spelled a lot more spread out and actually ended up uh like as far as distance it was like three they um they they were te- they were they were they were using some kind of like a long piece so um to type to uh to type it using QWERTY would your fingers would have tr- traveled like 5000 meters or like five kilometers, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, if they did with uh, Dvorak, it was like thir- like thirty two hundred. Mm. So I mean that's and so um, I've I've been I on one Wednesday I just forced myself to do it. Um, I I download I downloaded a picture of the layout and so I have a, a reference in case I like hit hit a, a brick wall or something but um after I th- it's been uh, two full days now and i'm actually i'm typing at like 20 words per minute so i mean with you know 
brand with, with a brand new layout or brand brand new brand new layout. And also, I haven't been because of my wrist wrist issues. Um, I I wear uh, I wear I wear braces on uh, both on both wrists, and because I don't want to put you know I want to limit the amount of strain I have. I I've been for for at least two or three years i've been i've been you know a two finger typer with just you know my middle fingers <laughs> looking mm-hmm. and so um i'm pro- i'm probably doing about doing about the same <laughs> it's getting producing about the same amount mm-hmm. but um my you know i'm i'm using all four fingers um, the the big one is my left hand um that i actually had surgery on that one to to remove a gang, uh, ganglion cyst and uh, i do not want to go through that experience again like period <laughs> um i'm right i'm right-handed so i mean but still you've i mean it it was you don't realize how much you use your non-dominant hand until right, you can't use it right you don't realize how much you use your dominant hand until you injure it I slipped on the ice uh, a couple months ago and split my wrist open and split my finger open and bled like a bitch, but I got it to it, stop. It wasn't me. that bad, It though. wasn't that bad, though, but it was right because of where it is. Um, I had to really baby it to make sure it was healing properly and, you know, just make sure. Well, at work, we do a lot of, um, there's a lot of... Plotting going on, a plotting, like okay. putting your hands together, and I, oh, I, th- I thought I thought you meant P L O T T I N G. <laughs> There's a lot of plotting going on here. Without well, to take over the world, <laughs> that's beside the point. That's a whole other story. That's a whole yeah. other podcast. Uh, no, but um, there's a lot of a plotting when somebody yes. makes a because I do sales. So if somebody gets a sale, it's like oh, you know, let's you know, oh good, so so give it a sale. Let's you know. You know, give it up for them. And, yeah. And so I realized how much I could not even clap my hands because of that. It hurt my wrist and it hurt my finger. And even though it was a small injury, it hurt like a son of a bitch when it happened. But it was it was. It's like, like retail, location, location, location. Yeah, really. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. So now I don't even applaud. I, I yell at, like, you know, I'm like, oh, good job. And that's as much as they get out of me because I'm just like, you know, I want I want to acknowledge because my job is not easy. Sales um, is not an easy job, believe me. But I, I just was like, I'm not going to clap because it hurts my arm. And you just, I, I dislocated, I, I, um, I strained my shoulder. I didn't dislocate it, but I like sprained it. So my shoulder is real tender. And it's been that way for like two months now. And you don't realize that until you injure yourself. So you don't realize how much you really do use your non-dominant hand or your dominant hand until you really think about it. Mm -hmm. So I bet that you were like, I can't use my left hand for anything. And I, and I use it for everything. And I never realized that even though I'm right-handed. Yeah. I mean, for four, uh, I'd, I'd say a good four, maybe five, five, yeah, closer to four months. I had, I had it in a brace and the the best way I could describe describe it is if someone took a paring knife Ooh. or or a paring knife, st- stuck it in my wrist and left it there Ooh. 
for four months. Ow. <laughs> and then it was another three month three months of re- of rehab to get like strength back into it. So Ow. I'm like, I, you know what? I'm wearing I'm wearing braces every time I sit, you know, sit in front of a computer from at uh, from the from this point on, because <laughs> I'd rather do that. <laughs> <laughs> then go then go through that that wrist surgery again ow yeah yeah and so anyway getting back to current current time um i i actually using all four fingers on my le- on my left hand and you know and and you know I, my wrist wrist weren't sore or anything like if i if i try if um and actually um like after like after after work i i did you know there there's a there's a few sites out there that uh like practice type sites that where you there because there are other layouts out there like coleman and there's like programmers layouts and all all kinds of stuff like that and so there's you know free sites that you can go and take typing tests to kind of get practice and everything Mm -hmm. and i did that for i'd say a good uh 30 minutes straight where I just I e, e, well I was just repeating the first lesson <laughs> just uh-huh. and and um if I if I did that with, I mean as far as the if I w- using qwerty if I typed the same same words that I was typing with practicing the Dvorak I I would have you know I I would have stopped after fifteen minutes. Maybe, <laughs> probably closer to ten, ten or ten or thirteen. I w- I would have stopped at that point because my you know my fingers are just moving all all over the place. <laughs> so, I'm um, I'm real I'm real excited to kind of see where this goes. Um, I I recently ordered a uh, an ergonomic keyboard that actually splits in the middle. So it's like a fruit, they call it freestyle ergonomic. And you can, and there's a wire that joins each, that joins the two sides. And so you can adjust each one independently. Mm-hmm. So that, so yeah, you're not, um, your, your uh, keyboard matches you and not, not, you don't try to match the keyboard. And, you know, so, um, um, it, I I haven't been at it long, long enough, but I'm hoping that I can get rid of these breaks so I can stop have, having to wear these at any time I need to type something. <laughs> so, but yeah. Well, 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 I'm trying something new. Um, I don't know how it's going to be. I don't want to give its name because I don't want to endorse something I haven't tried. But it's kind of like, you know, when you get twitchy. And some people use stress balls. Mm-hmm. Um, because of my fibromyalgia, uh, squeezing doesn't really do much for me. It actually ends up hurting my hand more than helping. But it does help relieve stress, you know, when you use that one of those stress balls. And I'm all about texture. And I like to... I like to fiddle with things. I like to, and I can't have a pen at my desk. It has to do with security because of the business I'm in. Um, so, and I have this guy at my, it, this guy who um, 
is a step up above me, and he can have a pen. So he's the, we call him a verifier. That's his job. And he goes around and he clicks his pen and drives me crazy. So I'm giving, I'm getting him one of these. So I got this, I got this thing, and it's a, it's a, all it is is it's designed for people who get twitchy at their desks, at school, at work, um, watching TV, people who fiddle with things. And it's designed um, to be a stress reliever. Um, it's got six sides on it. It's a little, it's like a, it's a like cube. A cube. Yeah. It's a cube. <laughs> and it's, that it's by got, definition is a cube. It's a cube. And I don't want to say the brand name, but it's got six sides on it. And, it, and each side has a different activity, shall we say. So you can do something on each side and you can just kind of run your fingers across it and kind of play with it. That's what it's there for and not really think about it. It's not something you have to think about. And so I got a set, I got a set and I'm going to give, I'm going to give two of them away and I'm going to keep one and, you know, hope I'm going to see if that helps. Um, me not get so twitchy Uh at work because, my job is not easy. Um, I've discovered. I did it as an experiment. I took. I took this job as an experiment, and it's not for everybody. And I'm not. I'm. I'm starting to think it's not for me. So I. I'm, I'm trying to think of alternatives that I can do, but I don't want to just like burn my bridge and the town it was in, and just yeah torch it. So I'm. I'm sticking with it for a while, and so I'm trying to do things to kind of make it bearable and doing something like this will just kind of keep me calm. And I can't really do, I can't really do a stress ball that I can do something like this. And, um, yeah. And if it works next podcast, I'll give you the brand name and tell you how to get it and endorse it and everything. But it just came today and I haven't had a chance to really play with it yet. So I don't want to give, I don't want to give too much information because I don't want to endorse something I haven't tried. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that works. But, so. And then you, well, do you, you uh. Yeah, I, th- I heard about something this last week. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a kind, it's a different kind of, uh, rehab, drug rehab, drug and, drug and alcohol, uh, for, um, it's, it's more designed for low income or homeless people who really need rehab and can't afford traditional rehab. So what they do is they actually bring them by bus to this little town, this little place. Um, they have this place that it's called Fort Lyon. It's in Colorado up uh, by uh, Los Animas, um, near, near Los Animas and uh, La Junta, Colorado, up in that area, um, which is south of us quite a bit. And, uh, they, uh, uh, what they do, it's very, it's very casual. It's very, basically, it's self-monitoring. Um, they don't put a lot of pressure on these people. But um, this, they have this facility that used to be, at one time it was a school, and then um, it was a mental hospital at one time. And then it was, um, in its most recent incarnation, it was a prison, and then they 
shut the prison down. And this this is suddenly started to sound like the back like a back backstory <laughs> in a horror movie. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> but the the whole thing is when they shut the prison down, what they complain what what happened is all the economy. You know, prison town. You know. Um, Canyon City. Yeah, is a great yeah, that example. was the first one that I that um, came to mind. We ha- we have another town called Canyon City. It's it's also south of here. Um, it uh, it it has prisons. Well, supermax supermax prison. Yeah, it has supermax and it has the it has the regular it it has a supermax, and it has just not too far from there. They have the one where um, the Unabomber is kept. The, I mean, there's there's towns that have in Colorado right. have these prisons yeah. where terrorists are kept, and it's just it's it's really it's a big deal. Prisons in Colorado are a big business. That's that's a fact. Yeah. So when they yeah. closed when they closed this prison in Fort Lyon is the name of the place. When they closed Fort Lyon prison, it was like all the economy shriveled up in these little towns. So um, these towns were dying, and there there was this facility, and it's just sitting there. So what they did is they took it and made it into a drug rehabilitation center. And they, they definitely have, um, you know, they renovated it, so it's not a prison. But it's uh, what they do is they bust people in from different places as far as boulder um which is clear on clear up north yeah um and they you know but they they bust them in and they 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 give them treatment for low-income people or homeless people um and give them the means to go through rehab their only rule is no drugs or alcohol on the premises and they help them get a job they help them manage their money they help them, you know, they help them get their life back. And I think that that is an incredible thing to do. It gives them hope again. Now, people in the town closest to them, Los Animas, was really skeptical. Because they thought, oh, great, we're going to have a bad element here. But what <laughs> is happening is people are completing the program. And they're having, you know, meetings, 12-step meetings. You know, they're having, they're having um, great success with that. And they're, you know, they're going in, they're helping the economy. And what they're doing is they're completing the program and then they're settling in the area. They're getting jobs in the area. They're growing the economy. And they're becoming, you know... Um, they're making that area their home, and they're succeeding drunk, drug and alcohol free. I think that's incredible. I just think that that it gives them a chance. It mm-hmm. gives them a, it gives them a chance, where because of because of their economic status, they can't go into traditional rehab. They can't. They. You know, they don't have insurance, therefore they can't get treatment. Yeah. The way the system's set up is just bogus. So this is set up for homeless people to give them a fighting chance to get some help. And I think that's pretty damn incredible. Well, and what I kind of read, read a little bit about it, and one one thing that kind of drew, that 
fascinated me is that it's unstructured. It's kind of it's really self 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 driven, which is which is great for people that uh, for for whom you know a, a more structured uh, pro program doesn't work because not not you know for I mean as well especially when it comes to drug and alcohol rehab, not ev not not every technique it works. Not, I mean they. Yeah. Not, not they don't work for everybody. So some people, you know, a lot of people have tried alcohol anonymous. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have tried traditional methods. Sometimes they just need a place to go and know that they'll be, they're going to be safe, that they can sleep at night, mm -hmm. they can have a place to take a shower. What little belongings they do have are going to be safe and sound, and they can get some mental health. They can get some mental health care. They can get, they can, you know, they can have a caseworker who gives a damn. Sometimes it's just a matter of, hey, you know what? I need to go over here and leave me alone. Let me figure this out on my own. I had to do that. I was a meth addict. I've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I decided to quit, my philosophy was I'm going to quit cold turkey, but I got to do it my way. And I, I just leave me alone. I got to figure it out on my own. My brother was also going through the same thing, and that was like the worst thing for him is to be left on his own. He needed rehab. We actually went as far as to try to put him in rehab a couple of times. As far as, I mean, we actually set it up, and he wouldn't get in the car. He was all set to go, and he freaked out. Um, some people just, uh, they can't take that final step. Um, my brother finally got his head together, but thankfully... But, I mean, it took him a while. He had to figure that out. But he needed some friends to help him. Um, he couldn't do it completely on his own. But he, but he also didn't want... He was afraid um, psychiatric care, especially. He knows he's messed up, and he doesn't really want to know how bad he's messed up. And I can, I can, I can respect that. And, you know... I'm messed up. I didn't want to know my diagnosis either for a long time. I've told him, though, you'll be happier if you just get it over with, but he chooses not to. That's his journey, yeah. and I still, you know. But some people are just like that. Some people just need to be left alone to detox, figure it out, kind of make some friends, learn to trust again, be safe, be in a safe environment. Um, you know, I think it's great that they, it, they don't put a lot of, you have to go to these meetings and you have to do this, this, and this. No, they have to figure it out on their own. They can stay as long, I think it's up to two years. They can stay there mm -hmm. and they help them find a job and they help them. Okay. What are you going to do when you leave here? And what if you're not, what if you, what if you still need help after two years? They help them get that too. So it's just a, it's just a really good, I think it's a, it's a great plan and I think it's being well executed and maybe other places will take a look at that and go, Hmm, that works there. Let's see if we can do it somewhere else. Yeah. Cause I mean, in my, in my opinion, it's kind of, it's actually, it's pretty sad one, you know, there, there is a portion of the population for, for whom the you know the more structured traditional um, rehab rehab system does not work. 
So they're still stuck in this in this you know addiction cycle. The I mean they can't they they can't afford you know private care, and the only the only ones of that are available to them and involve involve techniques that don't work for them. And so it's not it's 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 nice to know that there it, that. That there is a facility that that does uh, em- employ out out of the box techniques that do, that 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 do work for a portion of the population. Well, and somebody recognizes that not that this is a need, right? Somebody recognizes it that maybe structure doesn't work for everybody. It did. It, it definitely doesn't work for me. I know that. Right, <laughs> right, and seeing that and giving them options. You know, okay, you can do A, B, or C. You choose. Now, you're required to do A, B, or C to be in this program. Mm -hmm. But it's your choice. Which one do you want? Even having that little choice is huge for somebody going through that. And sometimes, and I I know this from experience, sometimes somebody who's fighting an addiction simply needs a place to go where they can get away from other addicts who mm-hmm. are influencing them and yet be around people who are going through the same thing that they are, but are like-minded to stay clean. That's what they need. Yeah. Not, you know, sometimes it's knuckleheads that are bringing them down because they, they're other users. So sometimes just being in that environment is all they need. So they need each other. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's a, I think it's a great idea and it seems to be working. And the people of Los Animas, they were really leery at first but they're coming around to the idea, oh, yeah, this is a great idea because it works. What would you rather have? Recovering addicts mm-hmm. or prisoners? Yeah. I'll take the addicts any day. Yeah, no kidding. Because the addicts are there because they want to get clean. They want help. Right. They're there because they want to be. If they don't want to be there, they can leave at any time. They're there because they want help. And I, so I, they're not court ordered to be there. They're not, you know, it, it, it's, they're there and they're, and they have people who are helping them because they want to give them help. And they're trained to give them proper help. And they're not about the money. Right. Oh, your insurance ran out. Oh, we got to kick you out the door. Uh, you know, they're not about that. They're about how healthy are you going to be? So I think it's a great I think it's a great idea. And I hope other people in that industry will see how successful it is and do it other places. In other states. Maybe Fort Lyon will be the only place in Colorado that does it. I have no problem with that. But let's do it in some other states. Yeah. You know? Colorado is a pretty um innovative state. I mean, in some respects, yeah. We're we're one of the first to do a lot of things. Yeah. We were the first to do legalized pot and do it right, in my opinion. Not so humble. But <laughs> I mean, you know, but other states were watching us to see how we, we did how we did things and tried, you know, well maybe we could do it if we modeled it after them because it seems to work. Um and I'm not saying that's a perfect system, by the way, because it's not. It's got issues, too. Um, and it all boils down to regulation. Um, I don't think it's being regulated the way that it needs to be regulated. If it would be regulated better, we would have better results. 
That's also my not-so-humble opinion. But it just, you know, um, I just think that uh, for an addict who's struggling, who really needs help, that's a good opportunity for them. So that's my opinion. So when I heard about that, I was just like, wow. So we're going to put all the links on the page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Because anybody who knows anybody who's struggling, you know, uh, we definitely, you know, we encourage them to check it out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, because if it helps one person that listens to our little podcast, you know, great. Um, Send them in the right direction. So. That's all I got to say about or a, that. Or a direction. Or a know, direction. Sure. Well, again, <laughs> like, you know, again, you know, getting that, um, getting that, uh, you know, what am I trying to say? Um, getting the information out there. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that's all about, you know, making them aware, you know, sending the awareness. Speaking Absolutely. of awareness, yes. that goes into the next yes, one. Yes, and we're kind of staying <laughs> in with the health uh theme here um just a few days ago i was kind of br- browsing through in instagram and i came up upon uh, this post um i i forget which um organization it was but it was a post about uh you know Mar- march is endometriosis awareness month and i'm like um and so I turned toward I turned towards to you, and I'm like, uh, forgive my ignorance, but um, is this a new thing? <laughs> well, and I don't know if it's a new thing, but you know, there's so many things that uh, there's so many causes that don't don't get enough. Uh, what do you they don't hit it? the mainstream. Yeah, yeah, they don't hit the mainstream, and uh, this is probably one of those times. Um, I have endometriosis, so this is, and it, believe me, it. I just had an incident in the living room before we came in to record where I almost couldn't get up out of the chair because I had an endometriosis attack. So it, it's one of those things, the only way I can describe it, endometriosis is basically um, little cysts that, are, that form in your ovaries. What happens to me, because I also have something called polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, so what happens is my cysts come and go. Um, endometriosis, um, is like fibers. They're like cysts that are all connected. So it's like having almost like a, if you think of a spider web, Mm -hmm. um, kind of all over your ovaries and, and it's just, um, it's hell for anybody who has it. It's dangerous if you get pregnant and you have endometriosis, it, it can, um, kill a fetus. Um, it can make you have, it, it, it's really dangerous if you're pregnant and have it. Um, it's bad for the baby. It's bad for you. Um, it's just, it's, it's a nasty thing to have. It's very, very painful. And then if you have it coupled with anything else, I'm, I'm kind of lucky because my cysts come and go. Usually the cysts don't, they just stay and you sometimes have to have surgery, surgically removed because they get, so it clogs up everything. Just think about spider web. It just Mm -hmm. clogs up everything. Um, In my case, because of my other condition, um, they come and go, but I can literally feel them on my left side, Um, especially when I ovulate. And it's it's bad. And um, it's very painful. 
And I'm glad, you know, be aware. Um, a lot of women have endometriosis. Um, endometriosis and polycystic, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome are two are now most of the, uh, the most common things for women to have. Oh, wow. Yeah. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, nobody used to know what that was. Um, uh, but basically, in my case, what happens is my body produces eggs but doesn't release them. And then I'll have a buildup and then I'll have a huge release. Um, about 12 or 13 years ago, I had a hemorrhage and I almost bled to death. They told me that I had at least 60 or 70 eggs that released all at once. Oh, wow. And that it was going to happen to me at least one more time to expect it to happen again uh, before I went into menopause. Well, a few years ago, I said, fuck that for a lark. And I put myself, I medically suspend my period. I have one period a year on average. And I can control it because I'm on the pill the other time. Um, the pill will also, that's why my cysts come and go. Because if you're on the pill... It messes with your hormones and it manipulates stuff like that. Um, if you have something like endometriosis, I highly recommend you go on the pill um, because it will help with the well, pain. Well, I mean, add, talk to your doctor. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's, let's 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 put that out there. Talk to, you to your know. doctor about going on the pill. Yeah, um, and suspending your period because it may be. It may be right for you. It's not right for everybody. It happened it's, to be right it, in my Yeah, it, it, it's worked for you. <laughs> it worked for me because I had another condition too. Um, it may not work for everybody, but it does help with the pain for me. Um, it doesn't eliminate it. Because you're not cycling through eggs and, yeah. It does It does help. Um, it, it, does, it did help me. But endometriosis, um, I bet you. That you take five women, at least three of them have endometriosis. And they may not even know it. 60%? It's pretty bad. It's high up. I don't know what the numbers are. Run the numbers because I actually don't know. That sounds actually really high. I may be talking out my ass. I'm just saying you may know. I bet you know people who have endometriosis. It's genetic, so if you have it, probably other relatives have it. It's potentially genetic. They don't. Yeah, they don't. Poten- they don't. They, yeah, they don't actually know what causes it. Um, that's the weird thing. Um, but it can be genetic. Like if your if your sister has it, you may or may not have it. If your mom has it, you probably one of you or your one of your female siblings probably has it. Get tested for it if you have any doubt. If you have pain at all during your cycle, before your cycle, after your cycle, have your doctor check you. Okay, this is from um, endometriosis.org. Endometriosis affects an estimated 1 in 10 women during their reproductive years between the ages of 15 to 49, which is approximately 176 million women in the world. So, I that's mean, still, still that's high. still quite that's a still bit. Yeah. High. I said one in five. I said three and five. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay, one in 10. So, if you got 10, for, I'm, I'm still that's yeah, pretty high. Yeah. That's pretty high. I mean, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome is really common. I 
Um, I know a lot of women who have that um, just because we've talked about it. I mean, my female friends and I talk about shit. Mm-hmm. We do. Um, so it's just, you know, it's one of those things. Just it, what I want to advocate isn't even endometriosis. What I want to advocate is please, 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 please get your gyno tests. Get your STD tests. Get your, you know, take care. I want to tell good self care. Self care. Yes. <laughs> and good, good, um, you know, sexual health. That's what I want to advocate. And just be aware. And know your body. Because you know your body better than anybody else. And you know when something's not right. So tell your, do- tell your doctor when anything's off. Because your doctor is your best uh, line of defense. Hopefully. <laughs> if, you, if, you're, if, well, you're not, if your doctor isn't, then, then switch a, doctors. Then you don't have the right doctor. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, if you, if you, you know... And good, good sexual health, you know, know your body, know your body, know what's going on in your body. Um, you know, know how your body works, know how, you know, mm-hmm. I'm all for that. I'm all good. You know, I'm all for that. So when I saw that website, we were looking at it that one night, it had a, it had a, a diagram of a woman's reproductive system uh-huh. and what endometriosis does and it was very well done for what it was it was just a little blurb yeah. on instagram but it was just very an infographic yeah it was very it was very it was good for what it was and i just thought that was that was kind of cool so we wanted to mention it but yeah it's it's um the the unseen diseases don't nece- necessarily get um get the airplay <laughs> so, right. so to speak right. um so but <clears throat> sorry um but it's just because they're not seen doesn't mean that they're prof- not profoundly affecting that person so let me tell you something my my endometriosis when i found out i had endometriosis i was actually relieved because it explained a lot of things about hormonal changes um as far as i was having really bad mood swings just like most women cycle through they have certain moods you do you have phases you go through but you'll cycle through these moods you'll cycle through your you cycle through your hormonal changes about every 14 15 days i was going through these every 24 36 hours oh wow where i was just so I was miserable and I couldn't figure, I thought I was insane. I thought I was crazy, but I found a really good endocrinologist. She was uh, one of the top doctors in the, in the state. I was very lucky. I had really good insurance at the time. Um, she's no longer practicing. Sorry. Um, she, uh, she only delivers babies now. So what she was doing is she was doing, um, she was doing uh, fertility treatments to try to help women get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then what she was also doing is she was helping women who were having um, reproductive uh, problems with their reproductive systems get healthy, who didn't necessarily want to get pregnant, but wanted to have healthy, uh-huh. you know, were having issues. So she was an endocrinologist. She was one of the top doctors in Colorado. I was very lucky to have her. She, um, 
she told me, I learned a lot from her about what was going on in my body. And she said, yeah, that, that's why you're going through all these mood swings and you're not crazy, but your body thinks you are. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to harness everything in your body and we're going to take control of that. And so when I went on the pill, that was the best decision I ever made for me. And it's not the best decision for everybody. Let me, let me just clarify that because it, medically suspending your period is not recommended for every case. Doctors will right. tell you, some doctors will tell you it's a bad idea. Some doctors will tell you it's a good idea. It depends on your case. Um, my doctor still tells me, don't forget to make yourself have a period. Don't go too long without having one. You still have to have one. Um, because otherwise you're going to have that egg buildup and you're asking for trouble. So just remember, you can't go mm -hmm. too long without doing it. But um, it was a really good thing for me hormonally to kind of get my hormones in a line. Um, so, you know, just, just be aware of what's going on in your body. And, if, and you're not crazy if you're going through something and you don't understand it. Please talk to your doctor. And I guess that's the big thing I'm advocating and that's that this just gave me kind of a platform to say that please please just you know take take good care of yourself you deserve it and that's all i got yeah and i think that i can't think of a better better way to wrap, wrap up this episode either <laughs> all right so um i do thank you for listening um the pre definitely appreciate it hope uh hope you had it have as much fun listening to it as we had making it um, we are can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn. All of those links and any other ways to reach us can be found on our contact page at hubpodcast.net.